Welcome to Data Protection Gumbo, the podcast where we cook up a delicious blend of cybersecurity, privacy, and data protection topics to serve you a hearty bowl of insights. Whether you like your gumbo spicy with a dash of encryption or prefer a milder flavor with a side of compliance, we've got you covered. So grab a spoon, sit back, and let's dive into the pot of data protection gumbo. Here's your host, Demetrius Marlborough. Today I have a super, super security-focused episode coming at you right now. A alum of the same college and university that I also graduated from, Tennessee State University. So a big shout out to TSU and all the TSU Tigers out there in virtual land. Today I want to introduce you all to Renita M. Rhodes, and she supports the coverage of core information security and cybersecurity controls by providing audit coverage and tools that provide protection for critical systems and data. She also works as a cybersecurity and MIS or management information systems adjunct professor at Maryville University and Harris Stowe State University. If you need to learn about the InfoSec space, you are in the right place with Renita. So welcome to Data Protection Gumbo. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you for having me. And yes, I would like to shout out TSU as well. You know, T-T-C-S-S-S-U. All right. <laughs> I mean, you know. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, that was where I got my start, so. Yeah, and uh, it's and actually, I, I do regret that I, I don't remember running into you on on campus, and yeah. uh, I think our our years crossed and paths may have crossed, and we we didn't yep. know it. But thanks to LinkedIn right. and, and social media, we we are here right now for all of the ten thousand plus gumbo listeners. So first and foremost, I guess in in your own words, I know I read your bio, but in your own words, what what do you do? I am a information security audit manager. So we have a title of cyber security and information security. Basically, everything within cyber. So anything that deals with cybersecurity, we look at. And last fall, we looked at the network boundaries. Um, so any any tools within the network boundaries. Prior to that, I looked at offensive security. So anything, I, I could look at anything. I could look at applications. I could look at anything within cybersecurity. I've also reviewed the anti-bribery and corruption applications. So anything that deals with IT and cybersecurity, I look at. Awesome. So um, I, I guess the first question that, that I do have for you is, uh, cybersecurity is is a super hot topic, and I think I just read today or a couple of days ago that Taco Bell, Yum Brands in the UK suffered a, a ransomware attack, which we keep hearing these stories over and over and over again. Broken record. Ransomware attack, ransomware attack, ransomware attack. What are some of the things that Gumbo listeners can can do, not to say that they won't, get infected with ransomware, but some things that they can do to maybe keep the, the bad guys out uh, of, of your, your systems? Well, the first thing I will definitely say, and all of uh, all the classes I've had and even working within the cybersecurity field, is always not if it's going to happen, but when. So you have to pre- pre- be prepared for that when. So, of course, you can go through and incorporate 
and secure is what they call like on the onion. So if you're pulling back different layers of security, you should have that. If you're coming in from the internet, you should ensure you have the network security tools. Of course, you should have a firewall and that goes without saying. But then there are other tools that you can put on top of that. Of course, you got to have monitoring. So you need like a HIDS or a IDS. It could be just any different forms of IDS systems. Then um, some of the things I've learned, because you would think, okay, we I know about all these different tools that they have on this part of this onion, but there are always new tools that are coming out. So yes, you can have IDS, IPS, or you can also have what um, you can have the SIM, which is the Security Incident Response uh, Management System. But then there are other ones that are out there that kind of uses AI that kind of helps to determine whether it can let you know something is actually occurring on your system rather than, and, and it's supposedly more, more proactive, but it all depends on how you have your network set up. So network, secure that network. But then there's always going to be holes because if, like I said, you have all these different tools and make sure that I always stress this is that you have to ensure that you're taking backups and you're testing these backups because if you are not, you're taking them and you, you know, you never, you just put them off somewhere and they're just sitting yep, and who's absolutely. to say, I mean, if you don't test it, how will you know you're able to mm -hmm. recover? So your backup recovery systems need to be great. Um, ensure that your BCP plans are up to par. Maybe dig into some of that a little bit. So you, you mentioned some of the, so and, and, and what came in my mind was the NIST cybersecurity framework, and I'm sure you're super familiar with it. For me, it seems to be primarily what you were speaking about and that, that onion, which are the different layers of protection because security is a layered approach. You have to have multiple different pieces and aspects all in place to make sure that each particular layer or is, is protected. So people go back to the fundamentals of the network and making sure that they understand that that OSI model and all of the different aspects behind the scenes of what's going on because cloud has abstracted everything to make it easy, easier, point and click, et cetera. What, what are your thoughts there? Um, I would definitely say they do need to understand OSI model because you have to have protections for every for all seven layers. So as I said, I was starting kind of with coming in from like from seven, like going down. But the thing is that to ensure that you're protected, every layer must be protected because yeah, you have stuff at the application, but if you're securing an application, but your infrastructure isn't great, what good is that? Or the same thing can be stated going from the network all the way, well, from the infrastructure layer, if that is good, but you your applications have holes in it, then people can always get in. They, they will always find a hole. They will always transverse the network in order to get in and find those vulnerabilities. Yes, find the vulnerabilities, privileged users who have access to everything and basically have keys to the kingdom. They find those and they're able to get in and <laughs> act like, and they, and they can sit in your network for long periods of time. Right, yeah. Learning and do recognizance. So, once they learn all of that, they know how to go undetected. So you have to ensure all of those layers are protected. Right. Seriously. And But I would also say, do not protect yourself with just one vendor. You have vendors who have, may have everything. You have to have some form of diversity. There's a hardware that, that those are pieces of hardware that are needed. 
Uh, like if you you still have the on-premises environment, if everything is not totally in in the public cloud and AWS and Azure and Google, that you have multiple vendors that you can go to and even multiple SaaS vendors too. Because there's a lot of startups out there that, uh, on the scene. Cybersecurity startups are popping up every week or so. <laughs> right. Yeah, and I'm seeing more from Tel Aviv and Israel because they they it's part of their their learning as they are going through the educational system when they are, I think, teenagers, et cetera, they, that is a piece they have to serve time in the military. The teenagers, they have to partake in information security. Is that a requirement for them? I think so. Yeah, I, I, I do think so. Because most of the conversations and the guests that I've had on, they all come from Tel Aviv and they come from that space where they say, yeah, I served in the military under the security umbrella. And it, I mean, it's a long list of, of people that I that I've had on the show, and they all seem to have that common thread. But I, I want to go back to something you mentioned earlier, which is super futuristic and key right now is artificial intelligence and machine learning. I, I want to get your views on on AI and ML and, and how, how is that being used within the cybersecurity lens today from your perspective? One thing I would say, it's inevitable. I mean, we all can see it now. And it's I anticipated taking over a lot of industries, number one. With it, if, as far as AI and cybersecurity, yeah, um, we're using machine learning. I know AI is kind of, they're saying AI, a lot of these tools, companies are, or vendors are saying, we have AI, we have AI. I so far have seen it more, more in terms of machine learning, but it's still machine learning. And you can use it for insider threat pro insider threat programs, well, tools to help root out the insiders, the employees who are the actual threat to the company. They tend to cost the companies more, if you think about it, because they know more. Then you have happen to have them in tools such as like the Sims. You know, these are more the interactive Sims, you know, that they aren't just collecting information. They're collecting information and making decisions and, and monitoring the systems and actually sending stuff out. Not just alerts you have to set up, but it can learn the different ways uh, in which a attacker may be trying to attack the system. And then sometimes they can even go out and stop and kind of stop the attack, kind of like the IPS uh, intrusion protection systems, but it's at the same level. So you do happen to have some of that stuff out there. And I'm quite sure it's quite more, a lot, a lot more than what I know, because, like you said, cybersecurity vendors are popping up every day. There's a lot of capabilities and products out there that will may incorporate it. So I anticipated getting possibly an AI could potentially go out there and do the job totally of do the job totally of what a security analyst may be doing now. Yeah, and may, maybe they can put Chat GPT to the job because I mean I, I was trying to get on it the other day and it gave me a message saying hey we're we're overloaded there's yeah there's too many people here so I, I can't I can't let you use it I'll send you an email if you want to when I'm done and I never got that email <laughs> I haven't either well now one thing I did see about chat GPT is that some people are actually using it to create m malicious malware oh already so, yeah already wow we are, we are in we are in the www <laughs> like the the wild wild west and and i think yeah. that's probably the same acronym yes, we are. Uh, that we're living in right now and also everything that we've been talking about thus far how does compliance and and regulations fit under under the umbrella of of security because 
if certain things are not in place and someone gets in and you don't, I guess the CIO or the CISO doesn't report something in a timely manner, then, you know, they could, they could, they could get in trouble, right? So how important is compliance and regulations? Well, compliance, I will say compliance is not security. That's number one. But compliance is very important because one, you have to have security controls in place. And if you don't have these controls in place, of course, like I was talking about some of the, the different layers of the network, um, securing the OSI model, those are controls. And if you don't have that stuff in place, how are you able to ensure that your network is secure? So it could be the smallest things. One, you need to have a password. Everybody, I know they're kind of going away from passwords with the password list, kind of using the phrases or, you know, I know they're kind of moving away. But even something as small as that, that is a control. That is one way to protect yourself, your information, that computer, that network from outsiders. That's just the first layer of, you know, a really small control. But then if you say if you don't have these controls in place and or any monitoring going on, no segregation of duties, you happen to have people have access to things that they really shouldn't have access to because they have elevated access, if you think about it. And they're able to get in and commit. They can steal money. I mean, that's just something that's small. I mean, I'm not going to say it's small. It's fraud. So with that, you can kind of look at the fraud triangle. So you have to try to secure that. So security is not just, uh, we're just securing a network. You got to secure the business. And if you're not doing that, you got to secure people's information, PII, credit card information, health information, all of that stuff needs to be secured. And you have to ensure you have those controls in place in order to do that. And if something was to occur, someone breaks in, they get all this information and they don't report it, that is a huge problem, especially if you're dealing in California. Do it. You have consumer information in California with the California Consumer Protection Act. And then you had the GDPR. So the GDPR has been around longer and organizations have to pay fines if they do not part. If they one, if a, a breach happens, this information gets out there. But if it's not reported, they have to pay more. And then, of course, the same thing with the CCPA. The CCPA is, is kind of an offshoot of the GDPR. And other states are incorporating these same laws. Basically, the thing is, if it's not reported, a breach happens, a CISO will more than likely be fired. Mm. And jail time too, maybe. Yes, I know, even with the CIO. I know the CIO has to sign off on stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if the CISO, if the laws are requiring CISOs to do it, kind of like the, like the chief financial officers with socks, but Right. It's moving in that direction. You can automatically yeah. see that. And also, I, I, I want to switch to like more. I want to tap into some of your educational, uh, your, your teacher perspective and all of these different classes that you are teaching. So let, let's say that someone who's out there right now, they there's a lot of layoffs happening. Oh, gosh. Yes. I think I just I just read one again. Google uh, Alphabet. How many? Uh, six, six percent. OK which may end up being, I think, about 12,000. Microsoft, a few days ago, uh, also, I mean, it's, it's inevitable and it's, it's going to keep happening on different cycles, right? So in another year, we may see this whole thing happen again, but that goes to show that you have to also do your own personal branding and tap into your own gifts and tap into your own 
qualities of what you are good at and and put that out because we have networks now like in uh, social media, like LinkedIn. So there's no excuse to not go out and, and put your knowledge and information out there. So as, as far as teaching someone, uh, the fundamentals of things that they should learn just from a security perspective, w- what would some of those fundamentals be just overall from a trying to get into the security industry? I would say first start with looking at the Security Plus certification. That information that is in there will provide you the, it's like an intro to cybersecurity. It gives you, it talks about the different layers of cybersecurity. It talks about the networks. It also talks about, um, talks about compliance. It, it gives, it runs a gamut of the laws. It, it gives you everything. So if a person is interested in it, um, I would say start there because you know, trying to get into cybersecurity and like saying, okay, I want to look at forensics. If you don't have the underlying background or like the, just like the basis, that's going to be kind of hard to get into. I'm not going to say a person can't understand it because people are, some people are just extremely smart, but like trying to focus on that, you really need to you know, kind of get a understanding of what's going on. Yeah, you could do the forensics. Then also, do you happen to have like a database background? Not saying everybody needs databases, but you got to kind of get the understanding of working with data. Because if you're going to do a forensics, you're working with data all the time. Also, so maybe, you know, I would say some of the, just with my class right now, the intro to cybersecurity, we're we're using that book. We're going over, over the Security Plus exam when the oh, certification okay. the, book yes is that from a plus when the, no come to you come to you that's right come yep. to you got it got it okay yep and honing in on what you actually want to know what you actually want to do so yeah you could you can do the security plus but also get out there and try to look at the different jobs that are available because every job is not technical every job is not a hacking job in cybersecurity. Okay. Yeah. Every job, pretty much what you have in IT, the different positions you may have in cybersecurity. Because there are some system analysts who are working within cybersecurity, but they have the cybersecurity bent. So it just depends. Learn where you want to go and then kind of that's where you start. But security plus certification. Okay. Definitely start there. And I, I just thought of something and and I was having this conversation this week. Do you know how security teams have changed, I guess, over the last 10, 15 years? Because teams are, are different now, right? So the the whole, you have, you have the IT department as a whole, and then you have InfoSec and security, you have the CISO at the top, and then you have a team. But aren't those teams shifting? Like they used to be small, but now they're large. And do, do you see a shift in, in the layout and structure of how cybersecurity teams are? Are laid out. They are. They are huge now. I mean, because you cannot. I mean, if your organization is small, yeah, you may have a smaller team, but you still have to build out that cybersecurity team because one person cannot do everything with the cybersecurity. That person will get burnt out and they will leave. So, of course, they're gonna. The teams are gonna become larger, but teams are also kind of cybersecurity is not just. They I can't just say that they're just in a silo anymore. 
because they have to be able to work with other areas within the organization. So, because they're especially cybersecurity development, everything is kind of using that agile when developing things. So they have to be nimble in order to, when they're developing security applications, working with the tools, or even just working with the other teams. So you may, I wouldn't say they're just totally on other teams, but you do happen to have, um, I wouldn't call them matrix teams, but you know, you can be loaned out to work on different areas. Yeah. So it's, it's a, it's a, it's a team sport. So the InfoSec team just can't put their heads down in the basement and say, you know what, I'm just watching the screen for intrusions and I'm just going to you know, field any any alerts that come in or I'm working on this project to set up this new thing. No, it, it's not. You have to be aware of all the different SaaS platforms that that the organization is, is running because there may be a hundred, you know, different SaaS platforms and you want to make sure that stuff is locked down. You have public cloud now and making sure that those different buckets are not open. I mean, the list goes on. And, and maybe one more question here, Anita. Let, why don't you close us out? I know we're here to primarily talk about some ways around, you know, offensive, being offensive uh, from a security perspective and not sitting back and, and waiting for something to happen, but being upfront to put different controls in place to at least try to limit or confine someone if they get access to your environment. What do you think is the, maybe the number one or most effective thing that can be done from an offensive security perspective? Well, definitely go out there and try to break your network. If you have have offensive security team, the white hat hackers. And like pen they testing? They need to be there. Get more, so you can have the pen testing, yeah. You can have them, but then you happen to have those sort of researchers and some who kind of deal with like with okay, bug yeah. bounty. You know, you have you could deal with those people, but I wouldn't. Our offensive security team isn't just a pen test team. They are able. They kind of like pen tests, but they are they're internal hackers. So yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> Basically, that's what okay. they are. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, uh, also, so this is not a technical question. I, I just want to. I always ask most guests. You know, what's on your nightstand? What What are you reading? these days and maybe we can we can take away a, uh, a a nice book recommendation from you you know with the amount of time that i don't have right now i keep saying i need to read more um the last book i read and it, it actually had nothing to do with cybersecurity, but um it was pulse of perseverance it's three doctors three black doctors who grew up in the inner cities um, Chicago, New York, now I'm going to say New Orleans. And they talked about their story about how they were able to withstand or to get to actually not succumb to their environment and become doctors. And they're successful doctors. So you can, you know, just looking at people's lives, you can kind of, especially if you're able to identify with them, and kind of something that can help the kids see, hey, I can actually do this. Because black kids within, you know, our area, a lot of them don't see people and they don't see many black doctors. They don't see many black people in cybersecurity. So if they're able to have that representation just to see I'm able to make it out of here, I can do this, 
it can give them a goal in life. So although this was dealing with the medical field, it's mm-hmm. takeaways. You know, yeah. it's kind of still. It's, it's yeah, you still had right. takeaways. Yeah, yeah. You know that that's a whole nother podcast episode as far as you know, just getting into uh, the the cultural side of it and us both as African Americans and things that we need to work on and things that we see because the the first seven years of a child's life is super critical where they are downloading information like from everything that they see that they take in from their eyes to their ears. So television and now these iPads and being in, in, I mean, I've seen newborns operate iPads and cell cell phones like they were 30 years old. Oh yeah. (laughs) Swiping. (laughs) And and, I mean, it's like, whoa, okay. All right. (laughs) Yes. These kids are very advanced. So uh, let's begin to wrap up now. Um, Thank you. Thank you so much for uh, being on the show. I uh, really appreciate your expertise and and what you are doing in the education, educational space. Uh, We we need more adjunct professors and just faces that look like yours that are out there teaching and passionate about what you do uh, and just educating the masses uh, around, you know, the importance of protecting data and uh, keep doing what you're doing. And uh, maybe we'll get you out uh, on the podcast again in the future. So Thank you again for being a guest. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And yes, people, please come out there. We need more people to teach, especially cybersecurity. My time has been really limited because of it, because of the number of classes I've been teaching. Wow. Yeah, you you do a lot. I don't see how you do it. But well, thank you again. And uh, until next time, Gumbo listeners, we will bring another amazing episode uh, to you uh, coming again next week. So thank you. Thank you for listening to Data Protection Gumbo. Please follow us on Twitter at DPG Podcast and join our Backup and Recovery Professionals LinkedIn group. Just search Backup and Recovery Professionals on LinkedIn and you will find the group. And until next time, Gumbo listeners, have a fantastic week.